Thanks for listening to The Vine's podcast. The Vine is a church in Austin, Texas, with the simple goal of following Jesus together. And we hope this message helps you in doing just that. Friends, today's uh, scripture reading is from John 19, 28, and 29. Later, knowing that everything had been finished, and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of hyssop, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, Vine community. It's great to see you all. What a beautiful day this is. This is a season that we, uh, we are observing called the season of Lent. It's the season that leads us towards Easter. And during the season, we are considering these final seven statements that Jesus made upon the cross. To begin today, I thought we'd start off with a little bit of a game. All right, can we, can we, can we do that? For those who are, in compet- who are competitive, this is the morning for you. Uh, I want everyone to stand up. I want to see if you guys can recall a couple of things here. Slogans. Every company has a slogan. So let's see if you guys can, can re- remember what companies these are. So let's begin with this. Let's start off easy. This is a T-ball here. Just do it. Okay, good. All right. Now, if you get it wrong, if you don't know it, uh, sit down, okay? Okay, here we're going to step it up a little bit. Eat fresh. Think about it. Do you have it locked in? Okay, let's hear it. Okay, anyone sitting down? Okay, great. You, these are the people who are like, I don't do fast food. And it's probably not that fresh. All right, taste the rainbow. Think about it. Skittles, good, okay. How about this one? It just keeps going and going and going. What is it? Just like this game keeps going, going. I'm loving it. All right, what is it? Okay, no one's sitting down. You guys got it. Okay, here we go. We'll step it up a little bit. Uh, it gives wings. What do we got here? Red Bull. Red Bull. That's right. Uh, okay, it also gives me heart palpitations. This is the last one here. When you care enough to send the best. The very best. Okay, y'all know it? What do we got here? Hallmark. Do we have James, Thomas, and Christy? All right, you guys, you guys get a t-shirt. How about that? There's one slogan I've been thinking about this week, and it's, uh, it's this slogan, obey your thirst. Does anyone know who that is? Sprite, that's right. Sprite, they came up with this genius slogan so that we associate, anytime we have a thirst, we should reach out and grab a Sprite. It's so genius, because... We know to be human is to be thirsty. We might have many different pictures of what it looks like to be thirsty. I know for me, I often think about the three amigos, the scene where they're going through the desert and we, you know, begins off with Steve Martin and he has like one last drop of water in the canteen. And then it goes to Martin Short. He has nothing but sand. Remember that scene? And then there's Chevy Chase who has a full canteen does it, gargles, spits on the ground, then gets out some lip balm, you know? Uh, 
And even for us, I mean, this idea of thirst probably feels more real now than it did four weeks ago or five weeks ago. Honestly, for the winter storm, many of us for the first time in a long time, we're thinking about where am I getting my water? And uh, that for many of us is a uh, infrequent thought when we remember that we are thirsty people. And what we find throughout our scripture is that we find this theme of thirst appearing over and over again in our, in our sacred text. In particular, we see it in the Psalms. We hear these words in Psalm 63, you God are my God, earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and a parched land where there is no water. Or Psalm 42, it says, as the deer pants for water, streams of water, so my soul pants for you, thirst for you. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? So throughout our scripture, oftentimes we find this theme of, of thirst appearing itself. And we find it in particular in John's gospel. John's gospel is my favorite gospel in part because there's layers of poetry and meaning. It's it's just rich. It's interesting for uh, scholars, they look at the fact that the books Matthew, Mark, and Luke somewhat came quickly and early, but the gospel of John was written much later. Uh, it was almost as if, as if John, who had walked with Jesus, who knew Jesus, took his time in writing out his account of a life with Jesus. John had been with him, had walked with him, had seen Jesus live and minister. And it reminds me of like an old couple when, you know, you sit down at a dinner table and one spouse starts telling a story and then the other spouse goes, oh, actually, they left out a couple parts. In John's gospel, John seems to be doing that. Almost in conversation with these other gospel accounts, John adds some stories that weren't in the other ones because perhaps they... John saw that they missed out on some of these important stories, these experiences. And John also, because of his uh, time, he writes with poetic imagery. He writes with certain themes in place, inviting us to consider how these themes point to not only who Jesus is, but the kingdom that Jesus was seeking to establish. And in the book of John, we find this theme of thirst and water again and again. For instance, in John 7, there is this festival that happens, the Festival of Tabernacles uh, for the Jewish community, where they would remember God's faithfulness to them in the desert. And so this is a place where people were thirsty and they would recall how God was faithful and good. And in this festival, the priest would go to a pool and pick up buckets of water and they would walk over to the temple and pour it out on the altar. And it's on the last day when the crowds were most gathered that Jesus, almost like a heckler, during the middle of this parade, begins to shout out, is anyone thirsty? Hey, is anyone thirsty? This is what we find in what John said in uh, John 7, 37. Jesus, with a loud voice, said, let anyone who is thirsty Come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture says, rivers of living water will flow within them. 
It seems that Jesus wanted to interrupt this religious pageantry to yell, is anyone thirsty? If you're thirsty, don't expect it to come from this moment. It comes from me. I imagine the disciples, while this is happening, kind of slinking away, like we actually don't know him. We didn't come with him. Uh, Because Jesus is being disruptive. But what we see there is Jesus is trying to reorient what their thirst were pointing to, not to an event, not to a temple, but to a savior who is inviting people to obey their thirsts. Come to the only one who can give you streams of living water within you. In a similar way, Jesus had a conversation with a woman at a well, in many ways was pointing to the same thing. This woman was, her life was marked by brokenness. In particular, her thirst had led her into the arms of husbands and lovers. This not only did disrupt her own heart and soul, but also caused the community to turn against her, to judge her, to condemn her. And her thirst for companionships left her alone on this day. She was at this well, alone and isolated. But then Jesus came. Jesus, knowing her thirst, began to, this conversation, this beautiful conversation, by actually expressing desire, hey, I'm thirsty. Can you help me? And this woman didn't know what to do with Jesus. What, are, what is this guy's intentions? And so kind of with a stiff arm, she kind of pushes Jesus away. But then Jesus responded with these words, if you knew the gift of God, and who it is that's asking you for a drink, you would ask him and he would have given you living water. And Jesus went on, everyone who drinks of this water, this water being the well, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them like a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And at hearing that, this woman leapt to the opportunity. She said, sir, give me this water so I won't have to get thirsty and have to keep coming to draw water. Do you hear her words? This woman is tired of being thirsty. She's tired of where her thirsts lead her. And she's saying, Jesus, fix my problem so I don't have to keep coming here. I'm just curious if anyone else is tired of being thirsty. When you look at your life, anyone's tired of being in need? Tired of being tired? What we see in this interaction is Jesus is not interested in quick fixes. Jesus doesn't want to take away your thirsts and fix you right there. Jesus doesn't want to get rid of your hunger and your longings. What does Jesus want? Jesus wants a relationship. Jesus wants this woman to experience the extravagance of God's faithfulness that Jesus can provide and continue to provide for her needs like a fountain of grace never running dry. You see, God is not interested in fixing us from our thirst and our hunger. Instead, God wants to invite us to experience his faithfulness in Christ. That Jesus can provide living water. And so this woman with a spark of faith, 
and a little bit of courage, believed in Jesus and experienced and tasted this living water for the first time. And I love what happens next in this story. With experiencing this, this woman then goes to this community that has condemned her and judged her to tell them about this experience with this man named Jesus who has provided everything I've longed for. And a little detail in that story is that she leaves behind one thing. She left behind her water jar. She found something that satisfied a deeper thirst. In my devotional book uh, that Ken Geyer wrote, I found this this past week. I was perfectly timed. He found uh, a quote from Abraham Heschel who said, He who is satisfied has never truly craved. He said this, I think, because he knew that heaven's riches, richest food does not satisfy our longings or take them away or fix them, but rather intensifies them. When we have experienced the extravagance of God's grace, it doesn't take our appetite away. It expands us. We become people who have a deeper longing for love and mercy and grace and the faithfulness that we find in Jesus. When this woman tasted that provision, she knew what it was like to be truly satisfied. And I love that God's kingdom is not reserved for those who do not need grace. God's kingdom is not reserved for those who have found a way to not be thirsty, but is instead this kingdom is reserved for those who know that they're needy and know that it's what it's like to consume grace like it's the air they breathe. Jesus came to be that well, to be that fountain of living water. So as we gather on this day and we come to this fifth statement that Jesus said upon the cross, it's confusing. It's surprising. This fount of living water the one who guarantees that it will never run dry. We see Jesus upon the cross with a statement, I'm thirsty. What is behind that declaration? Perhaps it was to fulfill the Psalms that prophesied about Jesus having thirst. Or perhaps it's just a human moment. Jesus upon the cross was in need and was thirsty Maybe Jesus said that in part to teach us that it's okay to be vulnerable with our needs to others. But I wonder if Jesus said that for something deeper. I wonder if John in his writing of this gospel was inviting us to consider something greater. The same Jesus that spoke to the Samaritan woman at the well, the same Jesus that heckled the festival with a promise of living water, not only ended his life by saying he was thirsty, but he also, we find in this telling of the story, there's one last cameo of water as it is in Jesus's life. If you keep reading in John's gospel, it says the Jewish leaders saw this cross, knew the day was coming to an end. And because the next day was Sabbath, they wanted to go ahead and hurry things up. And so they asked permission to break the legs of the three who were hanging there so that they could take off their bodies before the Sabbath would begin. And so they went to do so, and when they came to Jesus, they realized after he took that sip, and after one more statement, that he had died. And John, we find in verse 34, instead of the soldiers pierce, instead one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear. 
And it brought forth a sudden flow of blood and water. These things happened so that Scripture could be fulfilled. Not one of his bones would be broken. And another Scripture says, they will look on the one they had pierced. We have in John's writing, since we see John chose to write with greater imagery and poetry, we have this picture, this tragic yet gracious picture of who Jesus is. There upon the cross, the one who gave his life was pierced. And from that, from his body, poured blood and water. Jesus poured himself out. This fountain gave of himself. He poured himself out. And we find him on this instrument of death as someone who's thirsty. Perhaps that thirst was Jesus referencing the fact that he was self-emptying, that he had emptied himself, he had emptied of his life in the sacrificial love. And I find it that it's interesting for us, our two sacraments, the, the two things that we hold as unique, sacred experiences for us is baptism and the Lord's Supper. And we find here in this moment, we see pictures of the water of baptism and this blood of a new covenant, a new relationship symbolically flowing from Jesus' body. This is a picture that we have of Jesus, the living water who uh, became thirsty. We might think that the cross is something that God had to do to solve the sin problem in our life. Like this is just part of the equation so that the ledger could be written and, and cleaned out. But this is not just a formula. What we see on the cross is a demonstration of who God is. We see that Jesus, the one who is, thirst, who is thirsty on the cross, was a sacrificial, loving Savior who gave of himself fully for this world and for you. We see a picture of Jesus who's one of us, thirsty, empty, vulnerable, alone. An old rabbi was once asked why so few people seem to be finding God nowadays, and he wisely replied that people are not willing to look that low. Might we be willing on a day like today to look lower? Might we have courage to look for the one who claimed to be the giver of living water with dry and cracked lips, declaring with a broken whisper, one of his last breaths, that he was thirsty. Might we still expect the face of our Savior in those in our community who the idea of thirst is not just a concept, it's not just a symbolic Christian idea, but they are vulnerable and they are in need of water today, in our world today? Might we still expect Jesus in such lowly places, the one who was born in a stable, the one who lived as a poor wanderer, the one who had no place to call his home, the one who rejected power and popularity, who was ultimately stripped naked and put on a cross with nothing to claim but his own thirst. Though we will never know fully what Jesus meant by saying these words, I have one final suspicion. In the same way that we talk and consider how our own thirst point to a deeper need, I wonder if Jesus upon the cross had his 
eyes upon something deeper, something greater when he said these words of longing, something greater than the cheap wine vinegar that was offered him. Jesus poured himself out and he died upon the cross for you. Jesus had a deeper thirst and it was the thirst that you might know of his mercy and his grace the living water that would never run dry. From his body pours the fountain of life, the only fountain that can satisfy every thirst that you hold today. Jesus was thirsty for you to know and to experience that. And I'm just curious if we could stop and just take stock of our life. If we are inherently thirsty people, where have the thirst led you? In your own life, our thirsts have a tendency to lead us to broken places. They can lead us to unhealthy relationships, to bottles, to chasing the promise of a career, the significance of riches. Our thirst can lead us to a flimsy promise of worldly power. And yet we find there's only one place that can bear the weight of that thirst. As the deer pants for water, Soul, my soul, thirst for you, my God. A friend of mine and I were talking about our families, and he talked to me about his sister. My friend's a pastor, and he talked to me about his sister who left the church. She left the church behind and felt really far from God. And for whatever reason, one day she found herself in this uh, sanctuary with arms crossed, with a bit of cynicism, distance to the whole thing. She felt jaded. But then the pastor went to the communion table and lifting up the cup, he said something that surprised her. He lifted up the cup and said, what if you're not just a wretched, awful person? What if in fact, You have just been thirsty. And then he invited the community to come to the table and to take the thirst that they have had that led him so many broken places to the body of Christ, the fountain of love and mercy. And it was something in hearing that statement that cracked her open. It opened up her heart. And the fountain of life began to pour itself into her soul once again. Friends, in your own life, what if you have just been thirsty? I can promise you that Jesus has an abundant thirst that you would experience and know what his grace truly is about. Today we have this picture of living water poured out for you. And our invitation is to follow Jesus' example. Be vulnerable with your need. Be vulnerable with your thirst. Obey your thirst and come to the living water that is for you.